Thanks very much, John. Thanks very much for giving me this opportunity. I remember actually one day in the gym saying to you that you should really give me the opportunity to talk to new members in the gym, just as well as a sort of induction. And I never really thought that it would no. come to fruition so that I could actually get in touch with people. And Everyone has to learn themselves how to, like what to say when a coach says, could you do any more of those? <laughs> So anyway, we, we might touch on that a little bit. As, as John says, I am very interested, very passionate about learning about um, self-improvement, uh, mindfulness, things, things that go on in the mind. I followed, uh, followed the money past first in my career, did business and, and things like that, and ended up doing computers and cybersecurity. And yeah, pays the bill, pays for wines, that kind of, wine, that kind of thing. But I think I remember back in 1993, or 94, my first book was um, Louise L. Hay about, uh, I can't even remember the title of it, but I, I, in typical fashion, I bought the book and didn't read it. I, I did reflexology, Reiki, massage, sports massage, all of those kind of things since then. And then way back, I suppose, gosh, it's 20 years ago now, um, when I started off working in, in cybersecurity, I realized I was going to have to do presentations as part of my job. And so I, I got sent on a, on a course where I asked for a course and um, pretty much was terrified going into, into the bloody thing. I, I didn't realize we had, we had to create acetate, acetates, you know, slides for an overhead projector and got recorded on a video doing this thing. I didn't realize that was going to happen. And then we watched these things back. I didn't watch it, but got feedback on it. And then they said, okay, now you're going to take that feedback and you're going to do it again. And at lunchtime, I said, yeah, this is not happening. I'm out of here. Left, ran away completely and utterly from, <laughs> from the course and brought the video with me. Brought my, my, I was living, uh, my flatmate at the time was an organizational psychologist and he had done a lot of presentation courses and he watched the thing. I wouldn't, couldn't watch, watch myself doing it again. So anyway, I was talking, being in cybersecurity, the, the, the talk I was giving was about um, you know, um, changing your password, tweak your password like a toothbrush change it so often and don't share it with anybody else. And so, but I spent the time looking down at the table like this and mumbling to myself effectively, <laughs> rather than actually looking at the audience or anything like that. So anyway, I learned a little bit from that time. It got me really interested in figuring out how to get control of my mind a little bit. So I started doing the NLP that I got really, really passionate about it and tried to figure it out. So I'm gonna break this session into two uh, two halves tonight. I'm going to teach you a little bit. Now, I know John and Ruth have done NLP before, so this will be a little bit of a revision for you guys. I want to break it down as a little bit of teaching you how, how your inner world, how your mind works, and then I'll talk a little bit about um, my own journey over the, over the last while and some of the things. Well, not that interesting, and obviously it's not finished yet, but there's some interesting little mindset things that have happened um, and I'm, I'm working with John on something at the moment as well in terms of my own transformation, which, which that really helps with. So anyway, our internal world, obviously we've got our five senses. We've got our, our seeing, we've got our eyes, we've got our ears, we've got our mouths, our nose and our, and, and our feelings. But those really are receptors or receivers of information that comes into our head. It's, it's, it's light, it's, it's electronic impulses, it's waves, it's that kind of thing. It's not really what we're well, what is out there at the moment we don't really know what's out there but what, what happens to all of that information is we create something inside our head so if you can imagine 
it's there's somebody like I don't know if anybody remembers the Beano, the numbskulls from, from many, many years ago. So it's got a little version of ourselves sitting inside our heads, looking at this cinema inside our heads, this massive big screen in front of us. And some of it projects actually a little bit outside of us, these big speakers, big surround sound speakers, um, sense and smells. So it's it's a full full experience cinema. And that's where we create the, the internal representation of what's going on in our head. So, and that is what's reality to us. Now, I just want to um, just try a little experiment with you there. Now, food obviously is another one of my passions as well. So this might work quite well. I want you to think about, if you just think about the pictures that you see in your head for a moment and think about your favorite food. And just be aware of where that picture is. Where do you see the picture happening in your mind? Anybody give me a nod, give me a nod or point to it, or, or do you see do you see something? You, you, are you aware of that food? Now think about a food that you don't like. And maybe it's got a little bit of blue mold on or something or some bits of human hair or something like that. Where is that picture in your head? Is it in a different place or is it in the same place? Be aware that it's in a different place and maybe has some different qualities. Now, <laughs> there's an interesting little trick that Brian Colbert, uh, I heard him talking about on the radio, was somebody doesn't like vegetables. And if you move those pictures around, move the picture from the place that you, you don't like, the food you don't like, into the place that you do like, suddenly you start liking that food, which is which is weird, but that's what's going on in our minds. We're creating these representations and all of those inner senses have a certain quality about them. Um, another uh, example of it, <laughs> probably closer to home for a lot of us. If you think about the last workout you had, what kind of thoughts come into your head about that? You know, are they good thoughts? Is it, do you see, a full color picture and you're going hey, this is this is amazing do you see uh, you know is it a color is it black and white is it a moving picture or something think about the next workout you're going to have does that make make you cheerful <laughs> do you think oh shit, what do i have to do do i have to do this because i know i know from my own experience i was going through a process every morning i was going do this bloody workout <laughs> it's like i hate this 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 Took a little bit of a change of a mindset to, to fix that. But we'll talk about that a little bit there. I want you to think about somebody who annoys you. Hopefully it's not somebody that's on the screen in front of you at the minute, but if you want to just think about someone who annoys you for a moment and just be aware of their picture in your head. Now, I want you to change the quality of that picture. Imagine, just feel, feel the annoyance first that you find of them. You know, somebody, this is somebody now that if you saw them walking down the street back in the old day when we could walk down the street and duck into shops and things like that. You could just hide in the shop from them. Somebody like that. Now, put a clown's face on them and fuzzy hair on them. And I don't know if anybody remembers bloomers, <laughs> bloomers, a pair of bloomers, or just make them look really, really silly. And just be aware, do they still have the same impact when you think about them as they did? Do they still have that annoyance factor going on in your mind? I'm going to suggest that it doesn't, even though I'm seeing no yeses or noes or anything like that. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to run with it anyway and see what happens anyway. So the quality, that's when we create that internal representation in our mind, all of the images, all of the qualities of those images, the sounds, the feelings, the tastes, all of those things mean something to us. And the position of the pictures, whether it's a moving picture or something, I have got a bit of a stationary fetish, which like you can probably see behind me, I like books and things like that. 
And I found a book, a, a notebook in Ikea. It was just when I, when I read something somewhere that plain paper is the way to go. Creativity doesn't get stifled by plain paper. I found these lovely A4 books and they were really nice to, to write in, in, in Ikea one day. So I bought two of them. There's loads in there. Was back again. On the, they were all gone. Went on the internet, couldn't find them, couldn't find them anywhere. I obsessed about those books for about two or three weeks, literally day in, day out, minute to minute. I was like, I've learned NLP, what can I do about this? The picture of the book was there, just right in front of my face. I couldn't see anything else out of this eye in, in my mind's eye. So I was like, okay, what can I do? Just push it to the side a little bit. Gone. I have other things to obsess about now, but anyway. The book, the obsession for that book was gone. So if you've got something, there's a useful technique. If you've got something that you can't go, and if you really want to buy a pair of shoes or a handbag or something like that, and you just can't get it out of your mind, or you really want to eat chocolate cake or something like that, just be aware of where that picture is. Um, sometimes that works, but sometimes you just have to, to go for it. One of those things. Um, now, memories. When we create memories in our head, it's like a snapshot. Uh, of all of the things that are going on in a particular moment in time. So it's a picture, it's the sounds that are happening, it's the smells or tastes that are happening at that moment in time, and it's the feelings. We take that and it's like we put it into a little bag and hang it on a line and keep that for, for reference to again. Now, the thing is, we can reference that any time, and there has been research done, is all of the memories that we have ever had or ever had are in there somewhere. Our brain has recorded those somewhere in there. If you have bad memory, it's, it's, it's a bad recall rather than a bad memory. <laughs> That's the thing about that night. I would like to take a look at some of the memories. Some of the memories, if we have a memory that makes us a little bit, oh, I can't believe that happened, or you know, we ruminate over something like that. Take a look at the memory. Are you seeing that memory through your own eyes? Because it's likely you're experiencing it right over and over and over again as if you're there because your mind doesn't know the difference between what's happening inside its head it's, it thinks that is now and it thinks that's reality to, to, to take the charge off that memory what you can do is just imagine yourself slipping back and seeing yourself in that memory you're disassociating from the memory itself that's for bad memories that's for memories that aren't aren't really very pleasant to ruminate over. So you can come out of them a little bit. This is a technique I used actually when I separated from my from my partner a few years ago. Everywhere we went was together. And everywhere I went, I saw this person there with me. So everywhere I went afterwards, I disconnected from it. And gradually it took, took the emotional charge away from it. It was really, really powerful. Now, the other thing with those um, memories is there's some really good ones in there. So problem is we don't look at those through the same way we see ourselves in them so it's like we've got it around the opposite way we have to begin to see ourselves or to see through our own eyes in them and feel those feelings again <laughs> and just this is an example of um it being reality there was a couple of weeks ago i was on another course at the moment you know this was sunday night and it was moved to a monday night and it was changed to the next week and stuff like that i'm really annoyed because I was changing my plans to go with this thing and I was I was walk out walking one morning and I started to think about you know what's what excuse could I use to make them feel bad about changing this so many times. So I said, I you know what I know what I've got a friend coming over. I could say there was nothing actually happening. I could just do it. I could there's no problem. But I said I I say to him, okay, we were gonna go wild camping that weekend and I put it short because you moved it to Monday. 
And now you've changed to Sunday. Now I have to stick with that. I was like, so I'm going to cancel the whole weekend. And the more I thought about what was going on in my head, the more annoyed I got. And I was like really, really angry with, with the person who was teaching the course for changing it because my mind didn't know that that wasn't reality. That was on my, my mind. It thought, this is happening. I've, I've been really hard done by here. I have every right to get annoyed and pissed off. That. And then I caught myself. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it's, it's amazing when that happens. So what I'd like you to do is going to do a little closed eye process for you at the moment. We're going to do a little thing called the magpie technique. It's from a book called The Happiness Habit by Brian Talbert. So I just invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And just and wander through your thoughts and your memory just to bring to mind all the things you've achieved in your life, the times you did, what it took to get the job done, the times that you're proud of, the times that you helped out a friend or that you dared to say hello to someone you're interested in. Look for all the good things that defined you and shaped you into the wonderful person you are today. Look for the times when you were happy and confident. The times you said, I've done that. I'm proud of that. I'm happy with that. And I'm delighted I've done it. Look for the things that sparkle, the good feelings, the good ideas, the good accomplishments, all your achievements and everything you have to be proud of or are loved for. This is the better you. This is who you can remind yourself to be in the future. Now use that anytime you need a little boost in the future. You can open your eyes and come back into the room now unless you've gone to sleep. <laughs> does that, how does that feel? Does that feel good? Get a nod for good, a thumbs up, any Everybody, everybody's working okay. It all works out. Nobody broken. No. <laughs> okay, so that's just an example of how things, how, how how things can go on your head. Go looking for those good memories. When you need a little bit of a boost, just give yourself a little bit, bit of a kick. Remember when you were excited. Remember when you felt really good. Remember when you were in a party in a bar. Remember in the old days when we could go to parties and there was loads of people there. Remember those kind of things. Don't, Loads of memories, you'd all have them. Just go searching for them and feel them in the moment and see them through your own eyes at the moment. Now, this brings me on to the mind itself, the concept of the mind. We talked about, about the thought, you know, how we think there for the moment. What, what is the mind? Is it the brain? You know, if someone came along with a scalpel, hopefully they won't, but if they come along and cut into your brain, would they find the smell of a rose in there? Or would they find the taste of chocolate cake? It's very unlikely. So the mind is something a little bit different than that. So it's hard to really put a finger on what it is now. Is uh, because it's is it is it us or are we aware of of are we aware of what's going on? What is it? There's a, there's a model there's various models of the minds. One of them there's there's a, there's a conscious component to the mind. That's that's us. That's what we're aware of. That's where our logic is. That's us thinking. Um, you know and and, and saying X or, or ruminating. And there's the other part, the unconscious part. Now, up until the age of six or seven years old, we were all little unconscious minds. And at that point, our conscious mind started to form. So our unconscious mind remains at that age. And that unconscious mind, if you think about the metaphor of a huge cruise liner, your conscious mind is the captain of that ship. The unconscious mind is the part all of the other crew members, all of the bits that look after the engine, all of the parts, moving parts of the engine, it looks after all of that. So that's a six-year-old in charge of all of the things in your body, keeping your heart beating, keeping you breathing, keeping you doing all of those things. So it's a six-year-old and that has control of everything. The thing about it is, 
it needs instructions and it wants instructions. But do we give it them or do we give it free reign to do whatever it wants to do itself? If we give it free reign, you could think of, yes, it's a six-year-old, but there's another metaphor for it. It's called the monkey mind. So if you can imagine a monkey in your, your, in your, your mind, somehow controlling everything around you, controlling everything, but it's not just a monkey, it's a monkey tied to a post that's dying to get away from it. It's probably had a little bit of alcohol to drink, so it's jumping up and down and chattering all the time. And it's controlling everything in your body. So that, that's what has control of your unconscious mind, which is control of the beliefs you have, the values, the thoughts you have about yourself. And we, we're not aware of what it's doing on a day-to-day -day basis. The thing is about it, the unconscious mind has a positive intention for everything. It thinks it's doing a good job. It thinks it's keeping us safe. We're evolved um, to, to see fear, be afraid of things, to, to see danger everywhere. Because on the savannah or in the forest, something rattling in the bushes could have been uh, a tiger. It could have killed us. The people who were afraid are the people who evolved. And so we, we normally and automatically find that fear and find the bad things and things. It's been estimated that in, by, through research, I, can't, I can never remember pe people who did the research or wrote the books or anything. And I know that's important to some people. So apologies for that. But for every five thoughts, for every one negative thought, it takes five positive thoughts to counter that. And I know if you're in a relationship as well, this, this study was done in a relationship. For every one bad thing that happens in a relationship, five good things need to happen. So I can slip clean on that one. It's an interesting one to think about there now. We'll talk a little bit more about that concept of, of the evolution of the brain. I want to talk about a thought itself, not cellular level. In the brain, we have these, we've got brain cells, obviously, most of us anyway. And we, they're little things. And a thought is the thing that connects one of those brain cells to another at a very basic level. Obviously, there's a whole load of things going on there. But if you think about it, the thought, is connecting one of those things to the other. Now, in your brain isn't, isn't that clever. It's not that smart at all. All it needs is an instruction of which direction to go. So if you think about it, okay, go that way. There's the thought. And this is where gratitude in the morning and these, power, these powerful things. If you get up in the morning, have to go to work and look for the negative things, your brain goes, oh, okay, six years old, monkey mind, go off, finds the negative things that you want. You it's, you've given it an instruction, remember it wants orders. You've given it an instruction, go and find negative things. That's why gratitude journals and things like that are so important in the morning. So, okay, you wake up, oh, what am I grateful for? What good things are gonna happen today? Your brain goes, oh, okay, look for the good things, look for the positive things. Really is that simple. You just tell it the direction you want to go in for the day. Now, so you've got that direction. You've got a pathway created. And a good metaphor for this, if you think of a hill covered in nice, fresh snow, and you're at the top of that hill and you've got a sled, and you're going to have a thought. Thought is the path of that sled down the hill. So you have that thought. Clear snow, it can go anywhere. The thought pathway can go anywhere. But once that pathway is there, you go back up to the top of the hill again. The easiest way to go down that hill is through that path again. And the more times you go down that path, the more times you have that thought, the stronger that pathway becomes in your mind. So if you imagine lots and lots of th thoughts coming together and creating lots and lots of pathways and you think about them, you go the same way on them all the time, you get what we call is a mindset. The mind has that 
thought, we think about it, and it's the easiest route for it to go. Our mind creates little programs. That's how we learn. It doesn't want to think the same thing over and over again. It says, okay, I know how to do that. I'm going to do that now. I'll go off and do that. Pops it down into your unconscious mind. And you don't, don't have to think about it again. That's why when you open one door, you can open every other door. It's called a generalization. It's an example of it now. So that's what we have mindset. Now, it depends on until we were six years old, the, the things that people said to us, people in authority, our parents, our priests, our teachers, our doctors, our, our older people, we took on their beliefs and values and we created our own little mindset from all of that information. And that, that's important when you start to think about getting rid of some of the, the unhelpful beliefs and values that have in, you have in your mind. Anyway, we'll talk about a little bit about growth mindset and things in a, in a while. Does this make sense to everybody or does it sound like I'm talking? <laughs> okay, it does sound like I'm talking shy, does that what you <laughs> Okay. Fear, we've evolved into fear. There's another model of the brain, which is called the triune brain. And there's three parts to it. The first part is the reptilian brain. That's the first part of it. That's the instinctual part of it. The second part of it is the mammalian brain. That is generally where, which the parts that deals with emotions and, and things like that. And then there's the human brain. And that's the part that does, deals with logic and reasoning. Now, John was talking a little bit in his email today. I do read these things, by the way, in his email today about um, conspiracy theories. And there's this, I think it's the mother of all conspiracy theories where our, the human race is controlled by this master race of reptilian beings who, who eat children and are pedophiles and, and have all this strange stuff going on. I think whoever came up with that particular conspiracy theory in the first plane mistook the little bit of information they were getting from wherever they were getting from it. Because I think if you think about it, we are actually controlled by a reptilian race. But it's inside our own heads. It's the reptilian part of our own brain. The reptilian part of our brain deals with instinct, deals with five Fs. It deals with fight, flight, freeze, feed, fornicate. <laughs> I actually give a, give a talk about that to Facebook, big crowd in a room, globally. And I was like, yeah, I went through the first four, and I was like, oh, am I allowed to curse? Oh. <laughs> These things work. Anyway, sorry for, sorry for cursing on, on you. I should have warned you people about that, but I'm not. There's a potential for me to curse on it. Anyway, so we are ruled by lizards going around ruled by this reptilian brain. We're going around potentially not really awake, but instinct, instinct is driving us. We're, we're reacting to the world around us. And we're in this perpetual state of low level stress because of that. We're always looking for the danger around us. And that danger these days is not coming from a tiger that's going to attack. Although you people going to the zoo, you never know what's going to happen there. You know, the cages might have rusted. <laughs> it could happen. Very careful there now when you're there. Something to watch out for. Anyway, so what we're looking at these days is the little micro stressors, the, the flashing light on your mobile phone. That's like, what, that, that could be bad. That could be something bad. So we're living in this constant state of fear and we want to run away from it or fight with people. And, and we react to somebody's anger, somebody's outburst or something like that. Or <laughs> Here's a good example of it. In, you know, when you're driving, what happens when you're, you get into a car, your, your personal space expands. To fill that car around you. And if somebody comes along and cuts you up, 
on, on a junction or something like that. It really, really gets annoying. <laughs> but I remember one morning when I was learning NLP that somebody did that. This, I, I was saying, I have to queue. I have to, I have to be, be nice and I have to stay in the queue. And somebody else come along in the inside lane and cut it off in front of me. I started to get really angry, really, really angry about it. And I was like, okay, this is when self-awareness was coming in. I'm sitting here. I'm, this is going to ruin my day. It's going to set me off for to be angry and snap the head off someone when I go into the office in the morning. Or and that person there that just did that knows nothing about it. Reminds me of the thing that I don't know. It was either Gandhi or the Dalai Lama. Somebody important somewhere said once that being angry with someone is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. There's two ways of thinking that. It's like don't take, don't be angry, don't take the poison or or the other way of looking at it is make sure you give the poison to the other person. You know, it depends on your mindset, really. But anyway, the, the way to get control of those, that idea, that, that automatic thing is mindfulness. Mindfulness has this whole idea that, you know, it's a meditation thing. It's, it's woo-woo, it's hokey, it's that kind of stuff. But if you call it, call it self-awareness, it's become aware in the moment of what's going on in your mind and allow you just take a breath, and pause and say, is this, is this a necessary reaction? Is there something to be afraid of here? What's this going to do for me? Just give yourself time for the, the human brain to get control over the, the, the lizard brain or the emotional part, the, the mammalian brain. Just give yourself a moment before you react, lash out and tear someone's head off just so that you can respond in a more calm way. That's for mindfulness, what I mean by mindfulness there. So that's really good. Now I want to talk about something voices in your head. Anybody here have voices in your head? No? No? A few people have voices in their head. Ursula, you're broken, sorry. <laughs> voices in our head. Are they nice to us? Here's, here's an example. If, if you were to write down all of the critical things that that voice says at you in your head, all the times it puts you down, and all the times that it says nasty things to you, and you got a list of those, and you were going to pick this list off, and you were going to say that all of those things to someone you love. Would you do it? Would you feel comfortable doing it? Yet we're doing it to ourselves all the time. We're putting ourselves down, and the reason we're doing that is because we've taken on these beliefs and values, and listened to things from other people, and and generalized these thoughts into something that's going on, and we have allowed a monkey, quite an intelligent monkey, as it turns out, to take these thoughts and create a new narrative in our mind or the voice in our head, which puts you down all the time. But it has a positive intention. It generally wants to keep us comfortable and safe and not allow us to go out of our comfort zone and not allow us to avoid and grow anymore because that could be dangerous. That's the unknown. What, what are you going to do? So anyway, that's a good thing. Now, you, the best thing we can do is it's either a friend or an enemy to you best thing we can do, there's a little mantra that Jay Shetty, I remember one author, <laughs> Jay Shetty said in his book, um, it's like, the voice in my head is my friend. The voice in my head, you say it inside your head, you don't walk around saying the voice in my head is my friend, because it might not go down so well when you get back out on the streets again. But anyway, over and over again, say that to yourself. It's, it's there to keep us safe, and it become your friend. Even inner critic, it generally criticizes for doing that. That's not good enough. That's stupid. Look at you, you're too fat for that clothes. You shouldn't be going into that shop. 
these are the things that it says, you know, the, the ways of dealing with that inner critic are, you could say, just stop. If you think back to the patterns, the thought patterns. So you're dealing with a mindset here. So you've created this pathway and it's, it's, it's the easiest pathway. What you need what to do is um, create some sort of a pattern interrupt to stop that, to stop that sled going down the hill so that it has to create a new thought. There's a good one that Brian Colbert always uses. It's, it's, a, it's a mantra. It's really, really powerful. It's very secret. Donald, Donald know what I mean. So know it. And starts with, shut the fuck up. <laughs> to the voice in your head. Now, don't go all Irish on it when you're saying it. it, it this really works. Don't go all Irish on it saying shut the fuck up, you fucking idiot. Because that won't work. That won't work quite well. But anyway, that's another way of doing it. So, or you can say, if it's saying something negative to you, not have the effect of deleting everything it said, and then it'll have to go on and say something else. And you could say thank you to it. You could be very polite to it. Thank you for that. I don't need that advice anymore. This is what I want to do. And you can have a whole other show of talking to yourself inside your head and, and start going mad altogether. But anyway, the patterns that you took, they took quite a while to form. They'll take a little while to break them. But systematically, you can start to clip them apart and start becoming friends with the voice in your head. Because at the moment, generally, if we're running around in an unawake state, an unawakened state, we're running around letting this voice control ourselves, put, put us down, create a, a fixed mindset in, in a, lot, a lot of times where it doesn't allow us to grow, it doesn't allow us to take risks, it doesn't allow us to do the things that we want to, to achieve the goals that we want to do. It doesn't allow us to take the risk of, of doing a 12-week transformation because say, you won't do that. That's, that's not going to happen. Something I didn't mention um, was the filters that we have in our head because, because of all of those beliefs and all of those values and all of the things you've learned over time and all of those thought patterns you have, there are certain filters that, that happen in your mind when someone says something to you. They say something, your mind makes sense of it in a different way. And here's an example of a, 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 friend, a very good, very close and dear friend of mine. And we all always laugh at it. So I was going to buy a bicycle. I had no intention of ever cycling this bicycle because in my mind's eye, I thought I would look like a silverback gorilla on a bicycle. And there was no way I was going to do that. There was no way I was going outside on a bicycle, not until I'd lost weight. That's one of those things. Anyway, so going to buy this bicycle, it was a normal road bike, looked really good, just, just expensive enough just to make me feel good about myself so that it'll, it'll look good sitting out in the back shed, you know. And he said, um, the wheels on that bike are very thin. What I heard was, you're too fat for that bicycle. The wheels won't be able to support you. You should go for thicker wheels. What he meant was, you could get caught in a Lewis track. There's an example of a filter in action. We have a good laugh about that since, and it's, it's grown in proportion, and, and it causes a lot of fun, if you can believe. The last comment was, you fat, blubbery bitch, you are too fat to ever ride a bicycle. <laughs> Luckily, we're good friends. Anyway, we talked about a little bit about stress. We talked about, uh, you know, we're, we're in this constant state of fight or flight at the moment. Um, we're constantly living with micro stressors, people saying things to us. And going, did they mean that? Did they, did they just call me fat? <laughs> did they do this? Did they do that? And we're constantly listening to the voice in our heads. We're constantly dealing with stress um, and constantly pushing down negative emotions. Like in Ireland, we weren't really allowed growing up to express emotions. Certainly, certainly the, the men versions of us, but 
I think the same happened to me from talking to a lot of my female friends. The same happened to us. We weren't allowed to express our emotions. So we're all pushed down. So if you imagine we got this bottle when we started off in life, it's a big, big bottle. And into that bottle, we put the stresses, the little micro stressors, the, the, the big stresses, the, the anger that we didn't, didn't do anything with, all the times that we felt something bad, we fill this bottle up. And very quickly, it'll come to the top. And somebody will say a small little thing and they'll just, they'll just explode. We'll overreact because our bottle was just too full. Now that's just a metaphor for stress in our lives if we don't deal with the stress. My own personal story was, um, it got to the stage where I sit and looking at a computer screen, trying to write a document for a week, literally sat looking at this computer screen doing nothing. I couldn't do anything. I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But the things to empty that bottle, are self-care um, or get yourself out of the fight or flight response. And John has often talked about the importance of breathing. I remember asking Ruth one morning in the gym, why is breathing important? Why do we have to do that? <laughs> anyway, they misunderstood me as usual. So anyway, box breathing, very, very good way of getting us out of the, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response and putting us into the, the rest and digest. Eating is a good way of getting it in there, but that's probably not a, not a good thing to do. Breathing is, is probably better for us. So the box breathing technique that, that we all know about, and, and there's another one that I heard about just yesterday. If you, if you take two quick breaths in and one long breath out, another example of it, and that one will get you into the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and the, the, the calm state. So that's, that's a good fix in the moment, but the bottle will still be full. So we have to do something to empty the bottle. It's a metaphor. No real bottle in there. It's a metaphor, but with me. So what we do is the breathing gets us out of the, out of the response. And in that moment in time, we do some self-care things. We, we go for a massage, we go for a walk in nature. We do exercise. Would you believe exercise is actually good for us? Who knew? We do exercise. We listen to music. We, we, we experience love in whatever way or form you want to experience love. You feel it or make it, whatever. Anyway one of those things, or we can experience magic moments, what I call magic moments in life. Um, just the little moments in life where you smell the coffee when you open it, and you see the flowers, and you see the butterflies, you see nature around you rather than being in your head. You just experience all of the little, little tiny micro magic moments that happen during the day. You enjoy washing the dishes because you wash, enjoy the, the smell of the fairy liquid. Whatever you use, or you enjoy in the shower in the morning the expensive, lovely, smelly, bubble bathy things that you have there, rather than thinking about what's going to go on in the day, and just enjoy those magic moments. I don't know about anybody else, but when I grew up, it was in a poor area of Fermanagh, rural Ireland. My folks weren't that well to do, but there was this thing, this idea that there was the good cutlery and there was the good cups. And these only came out when visitors were coming and they had to be very important visitors, like a priest or something like that, that we could show the good cups and saucers and stuff. But another magic moment, which I think is really good, is taking out the good cutlery and the good plates and the good and setting the dinner table for yourself and making it a, an occasion for, for dinner in the evening. And, you know, setting, setting a candle just to really enjoy 
the experience rather than sitting eating it in front of the next box set mindlessly, not enjoying what you're doing. Really, really helps. Now, the problem is some of us can go a little bit too far with that because obviously there'd be a glass of wine and you know we have the nice feed and then the glass of wine is empty and you keep filling it up and then you end up at five o'clock in the morning, bar doesn't close, the kitchen table, so, so we have to we have to control those kind of things in our in our <laughs> in our lives as well. So too much of a good thing, you know. The danger is in the dose, is, is effectively what's going on. So you know we need to be mindful of those things. That's all I'm saying there about that one. But anyway, anybody any questions on all of that? Wonderful stuff. We can we'll stop for questions at the end. So my own journey, my own mindset. Um it's interesting. John talking about self-esteem. Self-esteem wouldn't have been a big factor. <laughs> I wouldn't have a high self-esteem of myself throughout my life either. Um, for very different reasons to John. Um, you know, because in my beliefs, I am a fat person. That's what well, that's what the belief I had. So I, I I saw my my world through that lens. So I've had a few moments of revelation just after last year when I sat looking at a computer screen and realized I can't do this, took a sabbatical from work, took some time to give myself some self-care and, you know, some time out and built myself up, got loads of therapists <laughs> working for me, uh, three, three at least, lots of massage therapists and loads of self-care. And then I realized one day, you know, I put on a stone, nearly a stone and a half at this point. I said, what is going on here? doing all the things right i'm going to all of these th therapists it's not working for me they're not fixing me that was of the moment when i heard somebody's voice in my head do you know what you need you need a good kick in the arse <laughs> that's sometimes we need to be compassionate with ourselves but sometimes we need a little bit of fierce compassion as well we need to, to give ourselves that wake-up call and said okay do you know what your friend is a coach your friend is a mentor why am I going to all of these people? What is going on with me? Why am I not fixing this for myself? And I just tuned into myself to my thought process. Another thing that I didn't really talk about, but it's a metaphor. Your conscious mind has to communicate with your unconscious mind in pictures and metaphors and visualization are good ways of doing that. As what is going on? I had created, it felt like it felt like everything I'd learned to date was piling up behind me. That's what the feeling was. And I looked in and saw this picture of this tidal wave of stuff coming behind me and me standing in front and this invisible wall in front of me. That is that is what I had created in my mind. I couldn't really see, it was an invisible wall, but I couldn't really see what was on the other side. It was a bit cloudy because it was a really thick invisible wall and you wouldn't be able to see through that. You know? Anyway. So that was the metaphor I had in my mind. And I said to me, okay, I can change this metaphor because I, I knew how to do it. So I punched some holes and I saw things through it. And I was like, you know what I need to do? I need to take control of my own mind because that's what, that is what I would be telling other people. I'd be showing them how to do that. I need to do this myself. I need to take control of the mind instead of going to all of these therapists, some of whom I was expecting to wave some sort of magical wand at a metaphysical block that I had in my head and fix that for me. It wasn't happening. As soon as I did that, as soon as I decided, made that decision to change my mindset and take control of what was going on in my mind, I started to see things. Not imaginary things or anything like that, actual things. I saw, I saw myself getting up 
uh, and going downstairs like a, like a miserable elf. Yeah, very miserable in the morning, going down and saying to poor Cain, oh, yeah, oh, shit. Horrible. And then thinking about doing press ups. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. The voice in my mind was telling these things. The exercise wasn't good. I really, I really don't like that. So I said, okay, what would you do here? What were the press ups? Let's think about the press ups. Just look at that one thing. So I started to play, you know, you know, the Rocky theme tune music, you know, really motivate myself. And I saw myself getting stronger. So down there doing the push ups, pushed it out and made it a really vivid, colorful image, a little bit of sparkles in there as well, a little bit of glitter just to suit the mood, you know. That really motivated me. And I was down there and was able to do the press-ups and I started looking forward to them. And I started being aware of, of the mood I was coming down. And I started to come down and, and okay, I can I can change this. I can go and, and be be in a good mood. I needed a little kickstart with that. So I took some pre-workout the first couple of mornings and it really gave me a, a nice little buzz starting off. But then, but then I, didn't, I didn't need it after that. So I know came, came to me, had no idea what was going on at that point in time. But anyway, so that was the first thing that started to happen. And I started looking at my life and I said, okay, it was actually, the synchronicities happen. I had started thinking, okay, I told myself when I was, coming up to my 40s, up to my 40s birthday, I'm going to get into really good shape for my 40s. It's going to be in, in you know, the best shape I can be in. Didn't manage it for my 40s birthday. So then I said, I'm going to do it in my 40s. Yeah. Three months time, I'm going to be 50. Yeah. So I said to myself, okay, if I still continue to do the same things I'm doing in the same way that I'm doing now and have the same thoughts about what I'm doing, I'll be doing the same thing when in 10 years time, I'm 60, and I'll have achieved nothing. Thankfully then, John came along with his motivation talk one evening, and it just hit the spot right away. It was like, what will you be doing in 10 years time? It's just like, whoa, do I really want to be doing the same thing? So I said, like, okay, I was starting to think about, you know, how to change that. And, and I could change my behavior. I could change my, my attitude to the exercise. Or I could change, you know, my ability to, to get stronger at it. I could, I could do all those things. I could start eating differently, but it wouldn't really have. Been, I could go, go on another diet. I could have tried a new, a new diet approach. I could have tried all of these things. Tried being the upper support because I knew none of them would work. Because I needed to do something significant. I needed to start seeing myself as the person I wanted to be. I needed to change who I saw myself as, uh, and I needed to change my identity. And as I slipped forward into the future, because that's possible in your mind as well, who knew? I slipped forward, saw myself, almost perfect body for me. And I was like, okay, that's, that's good enough. I'll be happy with that. What do, I, what do I do? What do I have to do to get here? What are my habits? Because I had to change my mindset. I was like, I can't go on a diet because I'm going to be eating this way the new version of me. I have to eat that way. I have to see this as a lifestyle, as a lifestyle change. I have to figure out what that perfect version of me is doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And that has to become how I live my life now. And that was overwhelming. I was like, holy shit, I can't do any of that. I don't believe it, Alan, too bad. There we go. That slipped in. Then, okay, so what do I do here? It's too big. It's too huge to actually cope, cope with it. just sit back in the chair and stare into space for the day 
four. I can take charge of it. And I've, 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 I have three books. I have Atomic Habits, of Tiny Habits. I have another book on habits as well, sitting on a shelf. I couldn't find two of them. I managed to find one of them after I bought it again on Kindle. The idea of it, so tiny habits, atomic habits. What are the tiniest, smallest things that I can do now for the next two or three weeks to change into that version of me? And it turns out one of them was one press up. I give myself the goal of one press up a day. And now if you're down there doing one press up, you won't give up. You'll do more than one press up. So I'm currently at 10, which is great for me. Give them an extra stone. You know, it's, it's harder this year than it was last year. Uh, meditate. I've been telling myself to meditate since 1994. I haven't managed it. I'm currently on day 46 of meditating just for 10 minutes a day using a Headspace app or, 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 or Insight Time or doing something. Drink six glasses of water. Sorry, six glasses of water. Six glasses of water a day. There's just 500 ml glasses throughout the day. That's easy. Drink a glass of water. Small thing. Doesn't say don't drink three liters of water a day because that's huge. It's too big. But six glasses of water. And I use an app to tick these things off. And the power of a little green dot when you achieve all of these things, go for a walk, 8,000 steps, not 10,000, because 10,000 is the biggest, very big number. 8,000, that's doable. I can do it, 8,000. I'm averaging around 15, 16, 17,000 a day because I'm loving it because also I'm listening to a podcast every day because I had this other metaphor in my mind where I was comparing myself to an old battery. Yeah, an old battery, you know, you, you charge it up, get all excited and, and it'll be able to do things and then suddenly it just loses its charge. And in the fixed mindset that I had before, I said, okay, that's what I'm like, I'm like an old battery or, or dynamo. You charge it up, it just loses its charge. Okay, what do I do to keep the charge in that battery in my mind? One of them was connecting to the energy or the, the, the notion, the mindset of a fit person. And that was to listen to podcasts every day, to listen to um, something that's gonna keep me in that mindset. And that kept that battery charged every day for me. And it was when I was out doing the walk, it morphed into something trying to find something to uh, to catch John out when I was doing the interview questioning with him. Didn't manage to do it though, but you know, it, was, it, was a, it was an admirable goal, I thought. Anyway, so I'm doing that every day now as well. And the other big thing that I had to get control of was, this is reasonable, you know, going up the stairs in the evening is very hard work when you're going to bed. So you need to carb load a little bit before you start going up the stairs. So there's two or three chocolate biscuits just had to go into the mouth or a bar of chocolate or something. Slice of bread with peanut butter and jam. Yeah. One of those things had to go into because carb loading before going upstairs up going upstairs is very difficult. So anyway, craving, cravings in the evening, I had to figure out a way to do that, to get rid of that. So and it turns out it was as simple as, okay, read 10 pages in a book. So again, I'm not going to stop at 10 and study something and, and find, find a connection to my passion again, because I lost that some time ago. I, I got stuck in a, in a, I suppose, looking back on it, it's called a midlife crisis, but I wasn't really willing to, to admit that I was middle-aged at that point in time. So it couldn't be a middle-aged crisis. I didn't know what it was, but a friend says to me, that's an existential angst. And I said, that, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty much it. Yeah. I didn't know what my purpose was and I stopped learning and stopped doing anything because I couldn't attach it to who I was. 
another word for it is ennui. I didn't have a purpose anymore, but I found that. And learning and, and sharing that information is what I want to do now. It's funny the little synchronicities that happen in your, in your life at the moment, because I said I'd taken a, a hick and a hundred dispensers. What I mean? 100% responsibility for what was going on in my mind. That's kind of difficult to do, but I come across another thing called Ho'oponopono. It's a Hawaiian system of healing. It's an ancient thing, which says you take 100% take responsibility for what's going on in your life. And that's because it's all inside your head. You know, things happen and we, we interpret them. Everybody we have met, there's a little version of that person inside us, inside our head, a little tiny part of that that is part of us. That's where the voices come from, see? Those little parts in our minds. And Ho'oponopono, the, the precept is, I take responsibility for all of those thoughts about people. So as soon as a negative thought comes up, and again, it's like clipping, it's like eating an elephant bit by bit, it's clipping away at this. If a negative thought comes up, I clip it away, and it's a little mantra you use. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing to myself and that person inside for having that negative thought. Please forgive me. Asking myself for forgiveness and that person for forgiveness. Thank you. Gratefully accept that forgiveness, you know, gratitude. And I love you. As we don't say that to ourselves and we don't say it to ourselves. And that little mantra is really, really strong. There's loads of reasons why it's really strong, but it's really working and it's allowing me to take responsibility for the negative thoughts in it. I dare you to try it. Just give it a go. Even, even though some of my friends say, well, yeah, that'll never work for me. That's the biggest danger in life. That'll never work for me. Meditation doesn't work. Yeah, thank you. Challenge yourself when you when you find yourself saying that to yourself. So anyway, I have very little more to say, which is strange. But um, sometimes I have this this idea. Okay, I'm taking 100% responsibility for what's going on in my life, but I'm not good at everything. So sometimes you need expert help, and that's where somebody like John or Ruth comes in in to help me keep on track with exercise and, and a little transformation program that I'm undergoing to get that perfect body before. Now I've, now I've told everybody I have to. That is all I have to say at the moment. The other things I have written down here saying, I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. I am not my body. I am not, actually, you can't say that. You can't say I'm not because the unconscious mind doesn't understand the negative. In order to process a negative, you have to think the thing first. So anyway, I'm gonna change that. I am that lean person. <laughs> I am more than my feelings. I am more than my thoughts. And it came when my friend who stayed with me last week sent me some videos of us, probably a little bit more tipsy than, than we would expect to be on a normal night. So it sent me some of those videos and I was, I was looking at them going like, yeah, still work to do on that transformation. Yeah, previously, I'm gonna order a Chinese. I'm so upset looking at those pictures. So it's a different different type of mindset now. Taking responsibility and seeing yourself as the person you want to be, being that person is really powerful. I can't believe I spoke for so long. I have nothing more to say. Thank you, Sean, that was brilliant. You're welcome. Did you all enjoy yeah. that? Do you have any questions?
enjoy the party. That's really good, John. Thank you. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, You're very really, welcome. Yeah, for me, just to be able to sit back and kind of listen and, and uh, it was very enjoyable. Um, I love some of your stories and metaphors as well. Very, uh, I didn't. I didn't actually tell you one about my my mother. There was there was something about worrying. I told her I tell people that my mother. You know, you know, worrying is one of those patterns that we guess. The poor woman. You know, she's lots of stories about her. And she, she knows, though. I tell her, I said, I'm not going behind her back, and I respect her deeply. But anyway, worrying. She's what we call an Olympic level worrier. I remember telling her one day it was a Sunday, and I had gone out fishing in, in Rocky Harbor or whatever in a boat. My mother's terrified of flying. She's terrified of boats. She's terrified of all of these things. She's perfectly designed to, to be protected from tigers. <laughs> she, she, she worries about absolutely everything. She will automatically go, what's the worst thing that could happen here? So I told her this, that it was out on the boat yesterday, fishing. She said, oh my God. And she started worrying about what could have happened. Because there's an example of how the unconscious mind works. No idea of when, when the thing happened. Anyway, that was the story I missed. Very valid. The hits that I, that, that I tell people. That. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's actually all I have to say. Quick question: What are your what What are your favourite podcasts to listen to? I'm becoming an obsessed about podcasts now as well. When I walk, nearly all because the SF Fitness one is a big one to listen to. Which <laughs> one? Oh, the, the SF, SF Fitness one. Oh, well, obviously, yeah. But obviously, when you've yeah, listened to that 10 times, like... <laughs> yeah, Owen Fitzpatrick's is very good. Um, obviously, that's a good one. I listen to Brian Keane's um, The Fitness Mindset, Mindset, because it's, it's quite good. Um, what other ones am I listening to? Um, Rangan Chatterjee's is a really, really good podcast at the moment talks a little bit too much about himself in it, but you know, you can get past that. Uh, <laughs> who else? The Huberman Lab. John introduced me to this guy. Very, very scientific, but it really gives you an insight into how, how things go on in your in your body. I really find that fascinating. Um, I mean, probably the easiest way in trying, instead of trying to remember is actually to look at my phone and see what are in it. Mind, Mind Body Masters is one I've discovered recently. Um, I'm an information junkie. I've logged on. I've subscribed to far too many podcasts. I only listen to a few of them. The Mindset Mentor is quite good. Rob, Rob Dial. Muscle for Life. That's a guy's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Doctor's Kitchen, I listen to that one sometimes. Um, That's loads, I'm sure. Yeah, that is loads, yeah. There's a few others as well. Um, but they're not, not showing up to me. But I, I, I can share them. Yeah, do send them all. I'll post them all up and listen and email. Yeah, there's some really, really good ones. I'm picking out the ones about um, health and fitness and mindset-led sort of things. Um, 
Even the ones on wine, Sean, the ones you listen to on wine as well, we'd be happy to. I don't need any any podcasts for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're already an expert. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, an expert level. I could I could slur into a podcast for all evening on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any other questions? Challenges? Challenges for you? You're already no, no. So I to try to try to try to catch me out on something I'm, I'm open for that I'm game for that because <laughs> I'm not an expert in everything so I don't know so I don't know all good all good thank you very much Sean you're all very welcome I really enjoyed it thank you very much I will see I don't know maybe if I'll see some of you in the morning at seven o'clock I don't know <laughs> nope Thank you. <laughs> Have a lovely evening, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was